Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. It really feels like like when I came back and told mum about Taskmaster instead of telling her about all the interesting things we did. Instead of being like, oh, we had some beautiful food here and here and here. No, no, no. Did you know that there's a vegan KFC option in England? Hold up. Fucking lockdown right now. Come off it. We're not in a prison drama, are we? We are in a prison drama. This is the fucking Shawshank Redemption, right? But with more tunneling through shit and no fucking redemption. Right, people, nobody move, right? Nobody move. Nobody gets fucking truncheoned in the face. This is our lockdown, right? Come on. What that means is this office is now an isolation unit. I think I figured out what it is. Remember how at the start of last week's thing, the audio wasn't playing through properly? Mm -hmm. The sound that was coming through my call recording software was different to the audio that I was hearing in my headphones, which was different to what was recording in Skype and Audition. There was another program which I hadn't touched, and it was the most important one. (laughs) Figured out how to hear the call. Mm-hmm. But uh, wasn't running through the old recording software. Seems like a frustrating thing to have happened. But luckily we have a, a run sheet this week and we're all very, just really on top of it. So what we can say is that Justin lost another podcast. I mean, it wasn't just lost to me, it was lost to us all. And uh, that's sad because we wrote a spec script for High School Musical 4 that would have been a tour de bloody force, mate. It was pretty good. So in the lead up to the last episode, you watched High School Musical 3 on your phone? Yes, yes I did because of reasons. Anyway, it's done now and I wanted the world to know that I had taken on that that challenge. And I, in turn, watched all 52 episodes of Troll Hunters. And I said you only had to watch one, which I think speaks to how good it is. And the voice cast is amazing. And it's a fun time. It's very solid. I did some great goofs about it last week, which I lost to time. (laughs) Oh, man. You had a really long one. It was good. I've still got one saved joke. I wrote it down. I'll come back to that naturally. In the course of conversation, you won't even see it coming. We'll just be having a conversation and catching up as friends, and then oh, I'll just no. sneak that in there. How you doing today, Darcy? Oh, I'm a bit rough, mate. I'm a bit rough. Yeah? In the grand tradition of this podcast now, which is not, it's probably a bad tradition to start, actually. Look, I got drunk last night, and now I'm a bit hungover. That's just the long and short of it. You, you're hungover for this podcast? Y- yep. I'm I'm stone cold sober and chirpy for all my other podcasts It's just you, just you gets me hungover Yeah, yeah, all the other podcasts you record You're you're really with it And here Mm -hmm. for all of us So I want to explain last night a little bit Because it was actually incredibly lovely, right? Okay So our friends had bought a rotisserie spit An electric one And he really wanted to roast some meat And I'm like, that's an amazing reason to have people around Not over ten, but some people so we had roast lamb on the spit, and then my other friend had a cheese-making box. So we made halloumi, and we fried that and ate some beautiful fresh halloumi. And then someone had brought children. Again, not over 10 people in the house. <laughs> it was a very small gathering, really. But there were children who were excited about Christmas, and they spoke French. So they were trapped because of COVID over here but they were over there with their jet-setting parents and then they were talking to me about what they were going to get for Christmas so it was a weird day is what I'm trying to convey but it was really nice I was a bit concerned about the way you were setting that up because uh, you talked about uh, one person brought meat one person brought cheese and one person brought children and it doesn't oh, and you don't eat children you Justin. don't you don't no explain the halloumi box to me it's a box that has the requisite ingredients to make cheese? Yeah, so it's 
calcium chloride and rennet tablets. And okay. It, from that, you get some milk that's uh, the fancy milk that still has the cream globs at the top. Yes. There's a thermometer involved. Luckily, my pharmacy friend is very detail-oriented. Because <laughs> you imagine, Justin, that being detail-oriented would be really useful in that profession. Yeah, it's one of the things that's quite important is knowing what you're giving people. And what temperature things are. That's also very important. That's quite important. It's actually mm-hmm. one of the things to do with the vaccine that yes. we may talk about if you want to. Because there's the whole thing about whether it will actually be able to be distributed all around the world or whether it will only be able to be in areas that already have pretty good refrigeration because it has to be, or one of them has to stay between four degrees, I think. I think that I will Google that while you continue your story. Um, so I actually am providing accurate vaccine information because being precise with details, as we've literally just said, is important. Important. Otherwise, you stuff up your cheese. And your vaccine. That's it. That's the only negative consequence. <laughs> oh, 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 I guess, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you heat it up, you put a thing in, you squish it down because it makes globby bits and you separate your curd and your whey and you use one of them to make ricotta the next day, apparently. I don't know, man. Cheese is magic. I'm not, I'm not entirely unconvinced that my pharmacy friend isn't magic as well, but that's a side issue. Ultimately, cheese, you can make it at home and it tastes very good. Put a lot of salt on it. Hello, me. You know what else is magic is Dolly Parton's vaccine. <laughs> oh. See, it's, um, it's not funny to you guys, but I've heard all of this before and that was... Oof, that no, was no, no, no. The, the Dolly Parton vaccine stuff was in the last episode. That's that's in the episode people have heard. Oh, we've already done that one. Oh, that's okay then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not just making callbacks for you. But yeah, the, the <laughs> distinction is, so the, the Pfizer vaccine, which is the, the non-Dolly one, it's actually a really, like, valuable way of differentiating between the two of them is the one that <laughs> Dolly Parton funded and the one she didn't. The dolly and the non-dolly. Roger, yeah. Got so, it. so, so the non the non-parton vaccine has to be kept at minus seventy degrees Celsius, or minus ninety-four degrees Fahrenheit if you're from the small part of the world that handles Fahrenheit. Was it like four countries? Yeah, yeah. Actually, cut the Fahrenheit bit. You know what? Learn a good. If temperature. we're talking science, science is accepted in degrees Celsius. So. Or Kelvin. Hang on. What's minus seventy Celsius? In Kelvin. Okay, so 203 Kelvin. Well, that's going to clear things up for people. Yeah, yeah. How good is science? <laughs> science is rad. Um, so f- the Pfizer vaccine has to be kept at minus 70, whereas the Moderna vaccine can be stored at 2 to 8 degrees Celsius for 30 days. So it can be just in a normal fridge or a cooler full of ice, and it just has to stay there. Um, I don't know what that is in Kelvin. I'm not looking it up again. <laughs> it interrupted our flow the first time, and I would never want to interrupt our flow. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. This is this is kind of cool because I've never had access to the run sheet before. It's fun, yeah. Gentle viewers. Oh, yeah, so behind the scenes this week, I've actually sent the list of topics that I plan on hitting on to Darcy, whereas normally I keep those topics to myself and then I just kind of spring stuff on Darcy. And I've realized that that's still good for the actual facts of various stories, but it might be useful for my esteemed colleague to have any idea of what the pacing is, where we're going. See, now, I don't know, because maybe Justin has made a terrible mistake because I want to hear more about the graduation duck. Justin, please explain. I did send you, so on my list of topics for this week, we have, I get roasted for fucking up the recording. We attempt to recapture the magic of the previous episode by badly rehashing last week's jokes. And then I got a graduation duck. It's very cute. I, so as a part of my studies at ANU, obviously because of this whole pandemic-y biz, they haven't been doing in-person graduation ceremonies, but what they did instead was for people that live in Canberra, you can pick up your graduation duck. 
and I believe that the name of the duck is Etta. I have one. I'm going to take a photo of it now and send it to you. I could have prepped this ahead of time, but I didn't. <laughs> because that would have, you know, it would have felt less real. Hey! Oh, that duck is very cute. It is a concerning colour, is the thing. It looks... Um, How would you describe the duck in front of you, Darcy? It has the pallid complexion of a, a murder victim left on an ice floe. Okay. <laughs> it's blue, is what I'm trying it to is say. A, it's a it is blue. a pale blue. I will give you that. But it has a, a large orange smiling mouth and uh, a little diploma wrapped up with a little bow, which doesn't at all look like a dog bone, and a, a cute little graduation hat, which is actually pretty dope. And it's got a little... Hey, a new alumni on his little hat. Yeah, so I'm not actually uh, an alumnus yet because I haven't received my parchment. I've just received a duck because <laughs> ANU are not as organized as the very cool people in my course. Shout out to Helen who... So basically, th- this was supposed to be a thing for people that live in Canberra to go in, book an appointment, pick up their one duck... But a lot of us, because of the way this course was structured, because it was entirely online, a lot of us from all around the country have, especially people that live in in regional areas or, you know, people where this kind of course isn't offered, and it's a fairly unique, you know, course of study. Science communication isn't taught everywhere. Um, So people all across the country uh, wanted these ducks and obviously weren't going to be flying into Canberra just to pick them up. So Helen, in our course, uh, we, it was you were supposed to book in an appointment to pick up your duck at like twelve twenty or whatever. You have ten minutes to pick up your duck, and then you get to the next appointment so that it's not overcrowded. And so we all booked in our appointments, and then Helen just went there with a sack <laughs> and piled <laughs> ducks in uh, for all of us. Like the like the Hamburglar of of ANU graduation ducks, <laughs> and she would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you <laughs> meddling kids. Well, I'm pretty sure she did get in trouble with the administration because they thought she was just straight up stealing ducks. <laughs> I uh, would have I would have had some follow up questions. And yes. I think it was also the the black and white uh, shirt and the fact that she said "rubble rubble." As she Look, was... it's an indicator. It's part of the the triad of evil. It's narcissism. It's Machiavellianism. It's saying that noise. You know, it's it's one of the signs. It's the large Hessian sack that had dollar signs on it that was slung over her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it was the black face mask. Look, it's it's weird that she wanted to graduate wearing a balaclava, but you shouldn't police women's clothing. You know. I think that a balaclava is quite COVID safe. If assuming it has enough layers. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we answered that question. There should be more balaclava wear going into the hottest part of the year in Australia. That's what I've always said. Yeah, yeah. We need a summer a summer balaclava option. Is it just a sack? Is that just a Hessian sack? So in Troll Hunters too, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. The voice cast. <laughs> <laughs> It's so smooth, what you're about to do here. Who would notice that transition? Nobody. Nobody. Especially now that you've pointed to it. Nobody would notice. Amazing. So the the plot of the series, if you just were to describe it using the other voice acting work that has been done by the same voice actors, uh, you you would get this. I don't know if that preamble is required. I will cut it if it's not. After the death of Norse god Loki, Chekhov from Star Trek finds an amulet that leads him to Trollmarker, where he's mentored by Frasier and King Kong to prevent the rise of Hellboy's dad, Mr. Krabs. Along the way, our heroes must contend with troll elder Morticia Adams, eldritch sorceress Cersei Lannister, three or four different Spongebobs, and of course, Frasier's brother, Luke Skywalker. What a voice cast! What I love about that is I got it out in one take. The fun thing is you got it so you got it so good in the last one. Oh I did. I said it so well. It was so crisp and Not perfect. One stumble. You know what, Justin, I appreciate that because you kept it crispy. I kept it crispy indeed. That's a that's a shout out to all the troll hunter fans, because it's the amazing tagline. I made that joke last week, but uh Darcy got in there with it first this week. So <laughs> That's the thing about when I fucking lose a recording, 
We get this to steal each other's jokes. Except for that debacle. I was not touching that thing. Are you going to try and get in the Dr. Cow jokes that we got in last time? No. Uh, Justin was very sweetly apologizing for having lost this. And I'm like, I can't overstate this enough. For me, it is just a conversation I'm having with Justin. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that two-hour conversation we had went up in smoke. Oh, well. <laughs> and truly it was. I cleaned my office instead. It's, I got... I got more done this week. Demonstrably, this podcast is a waste of my time. <laughs> but I am I am upset. This morning I did realize that we had written what I think would have been the best high school musical yeah, ever. And yeah. it is lost to time. And that is upsetting, you know. Well, when you, you had know a what? spec script. We can still break it, you know. I, I think I still have a few of the ideas in the top of my head. We will get there, but first we should do a news bit of the show. News. Look, I can do this one off the top of my head. Okay, well, why don't you take this one? What? Hey, Darcy, <laughs> do you want to tell me the news this week now that you have the running sheet? Oh, this is such a terrible mistake that you've made. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, QR codes for COVID check-in are a thing. How good. SA Health made an app. Initially, it was going to connect up to, like, your driver's license and because you can have, like, a, a the app that can let you, like, renew your license and things like that. But they were concerned that that was going to take way too much information. So, instead, there's a QR code at places where you can check in. You open up your app, you wave it over, and it will just take your first name, last name, and your mobile number. I think email address, maybe? The usual stuff when you need to hand sign in by paper, which obviously not ideal because everyone's touching everything. <laughs> How good? Potentially not as bad for privacy. Justin, you talk now. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, um, you've, you've got most of it. It's, uh, it doesn't take an email address. It just takes a name and phone number. The MySA.gov app, so I don't think there was actually any formal indication from the government that they would require you to hand over your license details or anything like that when you sign in with the QR codes. I think it was just speculation that happened because the app had only ever previously been for, like, as a as a replacement for, like, showing your physical driver's license as a card, so you can just mm. show your app either like when you want to go into a club or if you get pulled over so because the app previously existed as that replacement people thought oh well anything else that runs through this app is going to access the same data i don't know if that was ever the government's plan they just basically implemented the qr code reading ability through the app it works like a dream but the user interface is shithouse um i mean you, you've used it yourself yeah um mm -hmm. The majority of the interface is still the how you show your license bit of it. And then there's a tiny little button at the bottom that says COVID check-in. It's not tiny. I thought that was quite logical. It's just, hey, that's the COVID bit. You're like, click, click, done. It makes sense once you know what you're doing. But I think for you can understand why people thought, you know, this is asking me for my driver's license because the top part of the screen scrolls through renew your license, verify your license. Like it's it's scrolling through that information. So you might think that your license is being connected to this, um, but it's not. I don't have a license and I've still used the app to check into places and it's great. Um, you can use it without using the app. So originally they were really big on using the app, but now you can just use the QR code reader. It takes you to a website and you can manually fill it in. It's just that the app stops you from having to fill in your details manually every time. How good. The privacy concerns, especially around QR codes, have been really overblown. It, you, there was this article... Sorry, I'll let you say anything because I've just been <laughs> ranting for a sec. I realised I did this last episode, as in the last episode we actually had um, that went out, was I just like... There were these really long blocks of audio where I was just talking constantly, and it's just because I I watch all the press conferences, and so I just have a a, a mass of information that I have to release. But I'll please, be news junkie over here. Please say a thing. Say anything. 
Oh, Darcy, you speak now. <laughs> oh, God. Just a wind-up toy for you, aren't I, Justin? Ridiculous. There is a uh, snake no. in my boot. <laughs> um, I was wondering, is this, like, are we the first state to use something like this? Or is it is the technology being rolled out across Australia at the same time? Or? Off the top of my head... I don't know if the Victorian government used an app that they developed to do the QR code reading, but I know that QR codes were widespread throughout the Victorian lockdown. That's good. And indeed, in South Australia even, we've had QR codes before. It's just not been a mandatory thing for businesses as part of their COVID safe plan. So the change is this is a government QR code thing. And and, and because it wasn't regulated as well, you could have things like when you scan your QR code, you're also saying that your email address is now provided to whatever business it is so that they can contact you about future events and stuff like that. So you also get subscribed to a mailing list when you're just trying to, you know, act in the best interest of public safety, which is pretty dodgy. I think that's part of the reason it's valuable for the government to have developed a version of it that is clean and reliable and isn't like hodgepodge private sector open to exploitation. Not not that mm. those initiatives are bad, but yeah, I think it's nice to have a public sector version of it that is not... Not going to grab your details and yeah, chuck yeah. around. It's, it's I already get enough that, junk emails. Right, right. Like it's, it's, it's ironic that the privacy concerns have come out around this one when the ones that were already out there were not really regulated. Like companies could do whatever the hell they wanted in terms of what they did with the QR code information. The idea that the government, in putting together QR codes for a strict legal purpose where it is illegal to use that information for any other purpose under law, that 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 would be a worse system for privacy than private companies just having QR codes. It is interesting. Like the Wild West. It's like if someone's a bit leery about giving like their personal details to a government agency you know like oh what why do you need that but they just willingly sign up on facebook i'm drawing a bit of a false dichotomy here because i'm sure that those same people were also skeptical if the companies bring in qr codes but i i guess the point i'm making is that it's a broader response to stuff that's already happening and it's good it's real good i'm now going to google the vic government thing (laughs) well we used to yesterday when we had brunch at a at a place it was relatively easy to use. I'm uh, <laughs> glad it's coming just in time for Christmas shopping. Because you, know, you go into those weird shops you never go into. I don't know about you, but every now and again, there'll be something where I get a bee in my bonnet and I'm like, oh, I should get them this thing that they're really into. But, you know, I'll have to go to like a, a music shop or a game shop or something. And I'm like, these are not the places I normally go. But <laughs> this is... I'm just saying my QR code trail could be a bit odd in this happiest of seasons. You're saying that you don't necessarily want people to judge you based on <laughs> your QR code. I mean, that is one of the things that's come out like, and, and this is not to say anything about any of the people that have later tested positive and the, and the contact tracing stuff that's happened since then. But when they've given us basically this person has got COVID and this series of locations uh, now have to get more testing and go into quarantine. A byproduct of that is that you know essentially where they went that day. Um, this is the conversation we were having last night because we were saying, why did that guy go to so many grocery stores? Like, I'm not mad at him. He can do what he, that. That's fine. And he wasn't breaking the rules anyway, whatever. But why did he go to so many grocery stores? This was a lovely moment because then uh, Pharmacy Girl then had to be like, Oh, actually, I had to go to two today because they didn't have the right dips at this other one, and then I needed the fancy milk to make the cheese with. They are really mid- solidly middle class right now. The guy went to a Kmart, a Boost Juice, and on the run, they filled up with petrol and they went to another location. Like, <laughs> I, I know people are trying to make it out to be a big deal, but it's not like, like the advertiser was talking about this guy's spending spree, and it's like, no, he didn't. He went to a bunch of businesses that are chores. fairly... Yeah. On a Sunday. Really? Well, Sundays are half a chore. Anyway, I have an update with the Victorian government one. So the way the Victorian one worked, I think this is slightly better, but I'll, I'll see what you have to say. Essentially, 
The difference was that any smartphone with a QR code, it would just take them to a pop-up asking them for a first name and a contact number, and that would go to the database. If they didn't already have a QR code reader built into their phone, then they would be directed to download the Service Victoria mobile app, which would do the same sort of thing as the SA app. Um, and then that would allow them to complete the check-in. But that's only if they didn't already have a QR code reader on their phone. So it's not like the current system where... I suppose it's slightly harder to use the QR codes if you don't have the app in SA, whereas in Victoria... Seemed fine. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not equipped to have this discussion. I literally just Googled that. <laughs> anyway, lab-grown chicken is legal in Singapore. Oh, you should never have given me this list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me more about that story, Darcy, with your news roundup. <laughs> really can't. You can use lab-grown chicken in Singapore... Yum, yum. Uh, it's it's going to be a chicken nugget. You can use lab-grown chicken? <laughs> it's going to be tasty treats. Get some nugs. Nugs, not drugs, guys. So it's a, it's a US startup that has developed the technology, um, but they've been looking for various food regulatory authorities to approve it all around the world, and Singapore is the first one that has allowed it. So this is a US startup called Eat Just, and they are the, the first company to be allowed to sell synthetic meat grown from animal cells. It can now be sold in the country, in Singapore, as an ingredient in chicken bites. And I'm taking this news from chemistryworld.com, although it's been reported uh, more broadly. Well, this will be a very tasty treat. Our chicken is not artificial, says spokesperson Andrew Noyes. I'm hungry. Our chicken is not artificial. Cultured meat is made from animal cells, the same input and essential composition of conventional meat. <laughs> Which is a strange way of saying it's not artificial. So it will still be meat. So if you are a vegetarian for moral reasons, you don't want to kill an animal, then right. you could potentially be interested in this. But if you were one... It's also potentially valuable... Sorry, go on. Oh, but if you were one because you, I guess, don't like eating meat, then this would not be for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if, if you're opposed to, to eating meat. Chicken's a good place to start too because then you don't have to ask questions about whether it's kosher or not, you know? It's, it's the first um, no-kill meat to be approved is the way some websites have been framing it, which means that I don't actually know where this sits in relation to like kosher and halal meat. I know that halal meat is around the way the animal is killed. So if there's no animal to be killed in the first place, I don't know if that means it can never become halal or it's never going to become haram. Like I don't know, I don't understand how it works within the context of of Islam. I'm sure some some scholars are right on that. Sorry, the the thing I was interrupting you before to say was uh, as well as it being for like the moral reason of not killing animals. It's also great, as far as I know, in terms of the environmental impact because you're not having yes. to farm on farmland, right? You're, mm. you're producing something in a lab. Yeah, it would be interesting to um, the side-by-side -side comparison in terms of water use and um, energy costs and things like that uh, and price. These are the interesting points about to, uh, to compare when talking about artificial meat. According to an episode of Elementary I watched. <laughs> okay. They had a really good episode. <laughs> Someone was murdered in, in a lab, you know. But yes, the, yes. The main talking points. It's obviously someone had read an article and gone, oh, I've got to write an episode about this. And they've just shoved a murder in the middle. But. The, the questions surrounding fake meat, I guess, and where it would be sold and what religious views people would take on it and, you know, how its production might be environmentally friendly as opposed to not. Yeah, right. It just goes to show that my TV addiction is making me smarter, not dumber. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it could push in both directions. <laughs> That's Man, good. how good is Troll Hunters? <laughs> Troll Hunters is great. I mean, th there are still moral arguments against it, I guess, um, but ethics is all about middle grounds and and trying to reach some sort of compromise that you can actually 
integrate into your life. Um, oh, look, guys, that philosophy degree is working overtime. But I mean, that, that is legitimately the like having having studied like way way too many uh, moral philosophy courses and got into and and been the most vocal asshole in those classes. And thankfully, afterwards, having grown as a person somewhat, not as much as I'd like to, but somewhat. Um, yeah, we wouldn't have been tight friends four years ago. <laughs> yeah, four or five years ago was when I was finishing up philosophy. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. We knew each other to nod at Unibar, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I think I have mellowed in certain ways, although the, the way that I get when I um, have a tangent related to news and I have to go off on it um, <laughs> maybe uh, speaks to my philosophy background more than I'd like it to. But yeah, I, I think this is real cool. Um, and obviously the connection to our show, especially is your favorite brand that you keep coming back to on the show. Guys, you could have vegetarians eating at KFC again. I actually do have a travel story. (laughs) Yeah, you do actually have a travel story. It says Darcy travel story question mark. (laughs) I have one that works here. It works here? My mate mate that I travel with. She's vegetarian and she really loves KFC. But, you know, you can't. There's only so much you can do with the Australian menu. While we were in the UK, they introduced a vegan option on the KFC menu. And I swear to you, we were in Scotland. And by the time we left our hotel room, there was basically a wall of KFC wrappers. (laughs) Like, the shame I felt leaving that room. <laughs> Just being like, ah, oh, Edinburgh, what a city of learning and actually some really nice food. But also, KFC. The shame you felt leaving the room as in you just left a wall of shame? Just wrappers. They didn't fit in the bin. <laughs> just so many So wrappers. you just left fucking... KFC uh, wall? You thought, um, well, uh, at yeah. least we're going to decorate the space. We uh, look, we pushed it into a bit of a pile. We're not monsters. A shrine, if you will. <laughs> For the rest of that trip, because vegan options in, in the UK were actually really good. Um, vegan and vegetarian options were really tasty, so <laughs> kept on. We went through a lot of um, fast food options that uh, M doesn't always have in Australia. (laughs) Anyway, it's real good. Australia, catch up. It's actually a pretty tasty burger. Hey, Darcy, can you try segueing into the next topic we have on the list? (laughs) I'd rather not. The thing is, right, that sometimes sometimes travelling broadens the mind. (laughs) Wait, I'm going to land this. (laughs) Uh I I don't know that my mind could ever be broad enough to uh, really quite wrap my head around the homophobic Hungarian politician who was caught in an illegal 25-man orgy in breach of COVID rules. That is, that is fantastic work. Oh my goodness! So how hungover I am, I should get a medal. For that. No notes. Oh my goodness, that is the the segue of the week goes to Darcy for that one. Holy hell! This is also a great story to demonstrate how lazy I am because that popped up as like a meme on my feed, and I was like. Oh, I don't really feel like Googling that. So I just sent the meme to Justin. It was like, fact check plus. <laughs> you did. You, you did. You just asked me to tell, confirm that this was a true thing that happened for real. I don't want to waste my time reading the news. I'll get my news monkey. Why would it. you do that? Yes. Yes. So news monkey uh, has determined this is in fact a, a, a true story. Uh, this happened. So this is a, this is a politician who had a a strong anti-gay stance uh, 
now I'm going to get this wrong because I don't quite know how the inflections on the words work in Hungarian, but Josef Scheer resigned from his role as a member of the European Parliament, which is based in Belgium, for breaching uh, Belgium's strict lockdown restrictions. So he wasn't in Hungary, he was in, he was in Brussels, um, but obviously the important lead here is that uh, he broke COVID restrictions and he's a sitting official, and that's um, obviously a, you know, a, a deeply irresponsible thing. And so, also, so no, no, <laughs> and also the private party that he happened to be arrested at was a a twenty five man orgy. It's a hell of a show. <laughs> GQ reports that after responding to calls of a nighttime disturbance at a central Brussels apartment, authorities discovered not canapes and glasses of bubbles, but 24 naked men, including several diplomats. Oh, that... We interrupted a gangbang, police put it bluntly, according to local <laughs> newspaper La Dernier Hoyer. Oh, that's great. Do you think that's an awkward gangbang if you roll up and you're like, oh, where do I know that guy from? Yeah, as, as, the, as the evening progresses, you suddenly look up from whatever you're doing and you're like, oh, my God, he's that homophobic asshole. And then you're like, I mean, do I ruin the temple of the orgy with this information? Like... You know, I have to keep reading the GQ coverage. I'm not normally one to praise GQ, but this is this is a string of paragraphs. <laughs> Shaya, who had been seen fleeing along a gutter outside the building, took the number of partygoers to a raucous 25, far above the country's four-person limit on private gatherings imposed last month. After apologising for his actions, Shea said the incident was strictly personal, something he presumably wished to keep a private matter between him and the two dozen other men involved. <laughs> you know when you can just hear, hear the tone? <laughs> the first one this morning was uh, ABC reporting Donald Trump at his first rally since losing the election saying, I have never lost an election. Like, it's really, they're just like... He lost, he lost, he lost, he lost. Yeah, I, I, I saw that headline. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Donald Trump says I've never lost an election for the first time after losing election. There is a, a degree of sass that is respected in Australian journalism. Coupled with the truth, I think that's my favourite part, is that they're just clearly stating what happened and then comparing it to what the idiot said. Anyway, so that's some news that happened. Yeah, and, and it comes in the context of, I should say, um, while gay marriage uh, is still banned in Hungary and gay conversion therapy is still advocated widely there, including by this politician, I should say that Victoria, as in the Australian state of Victoria, has recently banned gay conversion practices, which is awesome. And South Australia just got rid of the gay panic defence. And we did. We did. I mean... I mean, we were the one, one of the last to do it, but still. We were one of the last people to say that it's not actually okay to murder someone because you were so shocked when someone came on to you. Um, but yay, I guess. I No, I'm, hey, I'm man, really glad. Celebrating little victories. I'm into it's, it. It's a big change. Um, a, a lot of people have been advocating for that for a very long time. Uh, so that's really cool. And, and yeah, I would like to see gay conversion therapy banned across Australia because it's not real. And there's a few great lines about it being what was it, um, torturous and monstrous. I think one of the politicians who was speaking about it being banned had such a great turn of phrase to be like, oh, this is in no way therapy. I haven't found that exact turn of phrase, but uh, Jill Hennessy, uh, Victoria's Attorney General, said... These views won't be tolerated in Victoria, and neither will these abhorrent practices. Uh, we're sending a clear message. No one is broken because of their sexuality or gender identity. Fucking good on you, Jill. Good on, man. Great stuff. So, yes, there, there is some good news at the moment. Uh, we have QR codes, we have lab-grown chicken, and we have progress, albeit slowly, being made on, on gay rights. In the meantime... Um, we should probably at least have a crack at breaking down this plot for High School Musical 4. 
but Zac Efron still gets to be the one that gives the speech. He's their valedictorian. How is that logical? Okay, so the things we need to address in High School Musical 4. Justice for Sharpay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, who... He's been straight washed. Yeah, yeah. And so I really liked the idea of if we're telling this story during COVID, this is about people trying to learn to connect with each other over distance and coming to terms with themselves as they go to college. Basically, we open with... What's Zac Efron's character's name? Troy Bolton. Because I, my head was like, Ted Bundy. Like, no, 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 not that. No, TB. That's the other one. They're both TBs, but not tuberculosis. Oh, oh, there's too many layers to that. Anyway, so Troy is in, I want to say, did he end up in Berkeley? Yes, UCB. Yes, because we wanted him to experience improv <laughs> classes. But for him it's to true. be bad at it, we wanted him to experience failing at something and that being okay. And there is nothing worse than bad improv. I feel like we should address that. He and Gary are, of course, having trouble connecting because of COVID, but also because they never learned to express their feelings except through song. It's true. Written for them by Kelsey. Yeah, uh, struggling to find the words is is a common kind of thread for them. And is a it's it's one of those relatable 2020 feels. It's probably the name of their first song. Finding you know? the words. I'm struggling to find the words. Yeah, something like that. And they're both in their respective little dorm rooms. Yep. They both decide to stay in their dorms for the semester. Zac Efron's character, not Ted Bundy, Troy Bolton has a roommate who is a, what is it? He's a um, blah, blah, blah type. Seth Rogen type, I think. Yes, I liked the idea of it starting off as a stoner type and then at some point that person being replaced by Ryan. Because I really want that to be the story of Ryan's, like, journey. In that way that people come to be a lot closer after high school just because they have that shared experience. The the person you spoke to least in high school, you still know more about than 99% of the other people on the planet. So if you end up at the same uni or in the same space, it's one of those weird things. Post high school, you just end up hanging out with, with people that you wouldn't necessarily have expected to. That's right, because I tripped you out because I'm like, at the the end of my year 12 class, I think we had about 20 kids in it. Yeah, yeah. So for those of us that didn't grow up rural... um, I knew most of those kids since we were all born in the same hospital. (laughs) But for those of us that that aren't... The people born in the same month as me, mum, like, waved to the lady that was giving birth to the guy who was in the same month, like, she was going in, mum was leaving. <laughs> like, Tag. Anyway, Ryan has this connection to Troy Bolton. Yeah, I like that because I've never seen that. I've never seen that in a college movie. They're not friends, but they have this shared experience, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and, and that leads to a stronger... Well, they are friends, but in that weird way. Why do we think Ryan moves in with Troy halfway through the movie? Uh, originally, I know you don't want to retread this, but I thought it was a good one. Um, cause I refuse to let another person turn down Juilliard. It makes no sense. I would say they would break for holidays or he leaves for a weekend to be like, no, I'm so stressed out. Everybody else here is at the peak of their game and he's having a little gay awakening because of his hot roommate. His hot roommate, Troy Bolton. <laughs> no, I remember there was a guy at Juilliard that he liked that lived down the corridor from them or something. And he and Kelsey were rooming together, but I was like, oh, who's this guy? And at the end... You're saying, do you remember that? But it is, do you remember that from the conversation we had a week ago, right? This isn't something that was in a post credit <laughs> sequence. That, it's just, it was so clear in my mind. <laughs> the visuals, Justin. I uh-huh. had them, okay? okay? So that was it. So there's a guy... I, I do not stand for Ryan leaving Juilliard to move in with Zac Efron. Unless you can make that work for me in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> this is how the movie starts, right? Because the other thing about these movies is they basically take place over a couple of days and then they skip forward months and months and months and they take place over a couple of days. 
Because they basically have the the moment where they start appearing in the musical and then the events around that, and then the musical is happening. And those are the two basic arcs of all of all three of these movies, right? So I reckon at the start, in media res, uh, Ryan is staying with Troy at UCB on break from Juilliard. They're hanging out. Then they have to quarantine together because of COVID, and that leads to... Ryan basically going, well, that's okay because I don't want to make it back to Juilliard because I'm having imposter syndrome. Meanwhile, Troy is trying to figure out how he's going to connect with Gabriella while they can't communicate. And this is where, this is the microcosm of the first act. How is it going to be a musical? So the songs would be Troy and Gabriella establishing that they're having relationship issues. Kelsey has a little melody that she's working on as she's talking to Troy that will then ultimately get picked up again as his love song that will bring him and Gabriella back close. You get a song between the boys in the college cafeteria, which has been abandoned. They eat ice cream together. I'm telling you, I can see this all very clearly. And it will be a song about how they're both a bit lost because Troy is failing at something for the first time. Again, just stupid, talented. I hate that kid. (laughs) He's failing at something. Ryan feels that he's failing at something, and they're both feeling pretty lost, which is a pretty universal feeling for someone leaving home and being in college for the first time. And uh, that's one, two, three. Oh, Sharpay. We're going to do a Sharpay. So if you want to break it afresh, originally what we had was that in the third movie she says, I'm going to come back to help the music teacher with the shows next year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I liked the idea of that because that was how they set it up at the end of the third movie. So that actually would be a bit of continuity. And I like the idea that she's basically trying to make herself the centre of this musical. That's why we think she's getting involved, but she's actually doing it for like ulterior reasons and it's a subversion of her evil kind of perspective and we only realize that when she sings her song and it's actually really heartfelt and it's about the teacher who is sick and they're trying to help cover her medical costs because america is broken that's why sharpay wanted everything to go right and why she was assuming that she would have to do everything because otherwise people would do it wrong and it would fail Uh, The kids and her then do the last song and it's a very sweet song directed to the teacher and because you know how uh, musicals are over the top and lovely, it'll just be a nice little ode to teachers during COVID and Sharpay will be like, oh, we raised enough money, how good. I I feel like that should be the penultimate song that they perform in front of the crowd that then wins them over and then there's a final celebratory song that means nothing. You, you have to have a celebratory song that is this just... The final song has to be we're all in this together, Justin. Get your head out of your ass. It has to be that. Right. So it's just a reprise of we're all in this together? Yes. And that's it's, all, it's going to be everybody on a Zoom meeting and even the characters that we haven't mentioned at all or, you know, the, the background characters that only get one or two lines, they all get a little Zoom screen at the end. Oh, I like and, that. Um, what's his name? Brad or Chad? Chad. I want to say Chad. Chad and um, TB. <laughs> I hate this. Have a conversation because he's like, oh, I got, I got relationship trouble. And then Chad got woke in college. <laughs> you really like want to bring back woke bed. Chad, huh? I want woke Chad so bad because I'm sick of him being like, why are we dancing again when obviously he enjoys it like it's illogical that he's still like yeah basketball is the only way and you're like no you've had three movies where you you obviously enjoyed singing it's fine why are you being weird about this again wait so but but how is this because i really like the idea of woke chad but is is woke chad rapping in a disney way or is woke chad breaking down the disney barrier and that's what paves the way for Sharpay's story to be a heartfelt story of medical bills because that's not really very Disney. Well, it will be because they'll be like, we need to win this contest to get this exact right amount of money and then she'll get better. And you know. Right, right. So it's basically like Glee. 
Yeah. <laughs> or or really any or of those. Or any m- dance movie you've ever seen. Yeah, like, okay. We just need to dance our way to get the money to save the music hall thing, you know? <laughs> Breakin. Yeah. The movie Breakin. Okay. I just want woke Chad to have like a little, like a weirdly specific rant about him, like cultural expectations of women. And then he high fives his girlfriend off screen and is like, "I'm sorry, man. Uh, you you're on your own on this one." Boop. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Because I I think he has to pick a topic that is you can be woke about, but you can be woke about only if you're on, like you can be woke about for a Disney audience. And it's not actually all that woke. You could just have like, he could make a joke about Disney princesses creating expectations, whereas um, Disney princesses these days all have to save themselves, blah, 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 blah. And then maybe Gabrielle could actually do something instead of standing around in a virginal white dress. Okay, well then she needs a song by herself. She needs a solo. Because at the moment Mm -hmm. we've only got Gabriella singing with Troy. In her song, which I think I pitched last time, would be uh, this is the most conceptual song of the movie. This is a song called "Out of Sync," where they basically yes. sing it. They sing it like in a round, so they're basically like that. They, they are actually out of sync with each other, but in a in a musical way. Tour de force, mate. Tour de force. Her and Kelsey can have a duet. And uh, what's Gabrielle's issue? Was she smart? Is she struggling with academics? Is she worried about her parents? Is she worried about Troy? That wouldn't pass the Backdale test. I think Gabriella just needs to have a good feel. Gabriella's problem is Troy is being too fucking clingy. (laughs) (laughs) Troy can't figure out improv, and so he's being clingy, and that's what causes them to be out of sync. Because Gabriella is actually just living her best life at Stanford. We yeah. need a we in need a movie where she's just doing fine, and that's the problem. <laughs> she uh, she's concerned that her high school boyfriend isn't transitioning <laughs> as well to college. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and also that he's complaining too much as the guy who's been literally handed every opportunity, like that he's <laughs> ever wanted. Out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was that's a really interesting thing between She's learning about new new people and, and cultures and interesting science stuff and uh, he just keeps calling but saying nothing. <laughs> He's he can't frustrated. call and say nothing. Hang on. Well, he, he calls and he talks about you know he misses her blah 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 blah. He goes over the same beats and she's just worried that they're outgrowing each other. And what he's actually struggling with is that he's failing at something. He's scared. He doesn't want to tell his girlfriend. And also, could we work in there? Has he said, I love you to her at some point? Oh, that's a good tension for a Disney movie as well, is he just hasn't said, like, he hasn't actually said the the things Mm. because he's just been very euphemistic about it. So she's listed off all these concerns she has about their relationship, but it's really boiling down to she, they are, to her mind, she wants to be in something serious with him and she's sort of concerned that this journey that she is starting isn't the same one that he's on. Like he's too high school. Well, I, he's too high school for this musical. Oh, I hate myself. I no, I quite like that. I I actually really like that. I, I love the idea that he sings in metaphors. There's there's a duet they sing where he sings in metaphors, and she keeps going, "No, but what do you actually mean by that?" <laughs> he's like, "The way I feel when I'm with you," and she's just going, "No, but how do how you do feel?" You feel? <laughs> That's great. Did Can you clean a dish Kelsey? ever? She and Kelsey can actually have the conversation where she says, Kelsey, it was so much easier. And Kelsey can go, yeah, because I was writing the words for you all the time. Yeah, yeah. We're all his lyrics now. suck this to, movie. You need to figure this out. So she I has a this. song where she says, look, I love you. I want to continue with you and I need you to get on the same page. And he can have a little breakdown where he's like, I'm just scared. And he can have a song about how his predominant feeling at the moment is fear and he's not used to it. Uh, but their love will see them through and he'll be able to say it then because she has finally said, I love you. I want to do something serious with us. 
I want to move forward and have this great life together. And he's like, oh, that's really given me courage. Look, I'm just fucking up and I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know I want you. Dun, dun! Yeah, I, I actually love the, the narrative of he realizes that her not needing him is actually a good thing for him while he's in free fall because he knows that she will be doing well regardless of how well he's doing. She hasn't based her success or failure around how his mood is, which means that she can be be the rock rather than just like suffering when he's suffering and feeling that sort of thing. And it's not a matter of her outgrowing him. It's just a matter of her having confidence in herself and being just solid. Yeah, she's just a duck to water with college. She's got it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that'll, you know, maybe that dynamic will change in their future in High School Musical 5. Um, when I mean, if we get hired for that High one, obviously. High School Musical 13, the divorce. <laughs> oh, man. They don't go through with it. Well, why would you call it the divorce? Because <laughs> it's a misdirect. The audience has grown with us, Justin. They are savvy people now, savvy adult people. High school musical parent trap. That's after the divorce one. That's, that's the their kids. The divorce doesn't happen, Justin. Real love exists. <laughs> no, the divorce does happen, but then their twin children have to convince them to get back together. Uh. Much like with Die Hard, where it's like, oh, I guess our relationship problems are solved. And then in the later movies, no, of course they're not. <laughs> that is that is a good plot line. I, I would like to see the, the sequel to Parent Trap where it's like, no, yeah, but that didn't, you know, that didn't work out, right? <laughs> that they, worked they for five minutes, but for we really, se- really important reasons. <laughs> we they're separated. in two different countries. How does that get resolved? Does someone move? Um, the countries, uh, form a bilateral agreement, uh, to become one nation just yeah, so but that their love can thrive. Yeah, travel time. You oh, they be both... one nation, but you're still very far apart. They both move to, uh, a very obscure country town and they're able to work remotely because of COVID. I would watch that. I would watch the Parent Trap sequel where it's just them in a small country town. <laughs> You know, what we could and haven't really discussed is the demise of high fashion because of, or at least helped by, COVID. Ooh, interesting. I don't have too many thoughts on this. Tell me. I read one article, so I'm basically a walking encyclopedia about it. But um, basically, uh, fashion's been fast-forwarding itself, trying to keep up, you know, because if you create a new product, then someone has to buy it as opposed to, you know, you create... They used to follow seasons, which would be logical. You would be buying wardrobes, that sort of thing. Like wealthy people would be poor people as well. You would change your clothes with the season. So they had sort of, you know, that structure. But then seasons didn't really make sense anymore. People bought whatever. It didn't matter. And instead of annual or biannual um, big high fashion shows, you would have more and more and more. So you would end the uh, luxury items that you were creating, you wouldn't necessarily um, have the market that you had previously and you would also then still want to be marketing it so you would sort of undercut yourself because you'd saturate the market. Basically what has happened is fashion has saturated the market. Now people are spending less, they're going out less and um, fashion shows. They're wearing clothes less. They're wearing clothes less. It was an interview. The thing I read was an interview with a guy who had moved into loungewear designing. And he was like, look, uh, his previous high fashion label had gone bust. And he's like, I'm trying to learn the lessons from that where I went too big and I was too stretched. Um, And this is sort of COVID is a good knock on reminder of that. And that, you know, I'm choosing these pieces that are essentially stuff that people could lounge around in that wouldn't be the high fashion shows. And it was potentially a, a business that might last through COVID as opposed to the fashion houses, which must be hurting at the moment. Well, I mean, um, a couple of days ago, Chanel put on their uh, fashion show at the Chateau de Chenonceau in France 
with only one guest in attendance. Um, oh my god! Which was Kristen Stewart. <laughs> she <laughs> sat on a bench. Right now, I can't tell. I am not kidding like you. I will link you to the, the article. This is amazing. She sat on a bench by herself uh, to watch the entire fashion show. She was the sole guest. How does this happen? As um, a gimmick, this is amazing. Oh, it's a great gimmick. It's it's genius. Um, it's, it is it's, the height of opulence. This is the height of luxury. <laughs> I'm going to link you in chat. There you go. Justin, you sent it to Skype chat. Nobody uses Skype chat. Okay, I'll, I'll send it to the other chat. Jeez. I ask so little from you. That is incorrect. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love that. You know, you probably just should ignore everything I said before. Fashion's probably doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> the fall of capitalism is something that I would be interested in seeing in this particular <laughs> instance. Because they were talking about, oh, we just kept on creating and creating and creating. And I'm like, oh, yeah, fast fashion. Australia's got a real problem with that. I wonder if this will stop now. I'm like, mm, no, probably not. But uh, it'd be neat if it could calm down a little bit while still giving people jobs, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there will continue to be industries that employ people. Like <laughs> Justin, people... what do you think will uh, boom oh, or me. bust? I don't know. I'm just staring at the... When I uh, cleaned my, my office, I found Ellen gave me a Pez dispenser for my birthday. Oh, cute. It's, it's fun because it's, it's a piece of nostalgia for an age I didn't really live. I wasn't really the Pez era. I think that's more 80s, right? Pez dispensers? Y- y- yes. I want to say Pez is 80s. I'm going to look it up because I can. It was invented in 1927. Well, there you go. <laughs> The company considers itself to be primarily a candy company, despite the widespread recognition and popularity of the Pez dispenser. Anyway, I have a Squirtle one, and it's cute. Uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I guess nostalgia for times we never lived in. I didn't grow up with Pez, but I'm going to pretend I did, uh, just like I'm going to pretend that High School Musical 4 is actually going to get made. With your support, <laughs> listeners, we can, make, we can buy the rights from Disney. But should we? <laughs> well, once we've got Zac Efron on board after he joins the show with... Look, good point, yeah. They didn't get back to me, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, that's probably important. We don't have the money to pay for that. <laughs> well, I said we had under five grand, so it's fine. <laughs> and they didn't get back to you about that. Crazy. Yeah, weird. I mean, he's in town. You'd think he could just pop in. It's only a phone call. Yeah, he's the asshole here. No, no, no. I'm not saying he's the asshole. I'm saying there are assholes in between us and him. <laughs> oh, bless you. You know who I want to insult? The Hollywood talent agencies. <laughs> uh, it's the worst thing they've ever done. So, so I think we've covered everything on the on the little sheet. Yeah. Do you, do you have any other travel stories for me to hype before we go to a promo? Whoop whoop. Why, uh, while we no. go to the promo bit, I'm, I think I'm pretty happy with the one that we put in the middle there. Really, uh, well, it why came up naturally. It was beautiful. I don't like that Darcy's travel stories have now become like a segment because I haven't actually traveled that much, and most of my stories are pretty boring. Really, it's the escapism of wanting a travel story more than anything else. I mean, feel free to make one up. <laughs> Last time I was. I was hunting by a dragon. Well, hang on. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll set you up for this because uh, we, we'll finish off the show on your travel story. No! But first we need to do some promo. Be creative under pressure, Darcy. If it's Justin and his run sheet. I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do promo for other projects for about 30 seconds. Uh, and then you can, after that, take as long as you want. Well, you go on ahead, sir. Go on with your fancy little stories about your things. <laughs> so, um, Darcy doesn't do anything other than this, but I... <laughs> I just I just wait in a box, just ticking away the hours till Justin calls me again. 
Darcy uh, just sits by the phone wondering if I'll call. But I... There's no way to live your life, Gabrielle. Gabriella? I feel really bad that I'm not getting her name right. But I do a couple of other things. I run a magazine called Neptune Today. Uh, You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Neptune Today. That's how I can afford to fund this. And also our upcoming anthology of 2020 stories. We're still taking pitches for that. So if you have a story that you want to tell about the year 2020 and your experience of it or just things you think about it, send us your reckons at neptunetoday at gmail.com or get in touch with us on socials or like if you know me, just like send me a message or whatever. It's real cool. Um, And if you don't, but you know someone that's cool, uh, you can send them our way as well at the same address. We're taking lots of pictures. It's going to be real cool. We've already got pictures about making masks and legal stuff and having babies and horror movies so we've got all sorts of weird stuff that's the same thing (laughs) that's going to be in the magazine this is a horror show so that sounds so that's all (laughs) that's all stuff that's going to happen uh and get in touch with us and all that junk and uh it, it really does help i sorry i i shouldn't be too flippant about it it genuinely does help uh for you to support us and uh for you to tell friends about our show uh i don't know if i've ever asked anyone to like rate us on itunes and stuff but it helps all of that stuff helps uh subscribing to us helps the people on the other shows have certainly indicated that it helps yes it does it does actually help yes and subscribe to those other shows as well that it helps them too it's not a it's not a zero sum game. It costs you nothing. It's so easy, guys. Just do it. You can help all the podcasts at once. Just fill all your hours, all your waking hours, with that good podcast energy. You can love them equally, like our parents lie to us and tell us that they, they love us all equally. So Darcy, where have you been traveling? <laughs> well, my most recent sojourn, as you know, was on the Orient Express. You just went so fuzzy there with your audio. No, I sounded fancy. I said sojourn. Sojourn. I don't know if that, how to say that word right. Yeah, you went on a sojourn. To, it just doesn't sound right. To the uh, the Orient Express. I went on a train trip. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, and what happened? Well, well, I was on there. I encountered someone from my past. Oh, tell me more. They passed in the night time, Justin. I was oh. accused of murder by a small <gasps> Belgian. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll have to find out more about this story next time on Radio Lockdown. It's our first cliffhanger ending. <laughs> I feel like you could also source this ending from elsewhere. Nope. <laughs> could have totally been any original. Totally original story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast. I think this has been recording.